the book of Ephesians. And what I'd like to look at from the book of Ephesians is Paul's mention of the Spirit of God. Paul is writing in the, in the first century, and he's writing to Christians about Christians. Now, Paul is imprisoned. He's in a Roman, under Roman house arrest. He's in Rome, and he's writing the first of what we would call the prison epistles. And as he's writing these, he's writing to his former students, his, those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What's a Christian? What is a Christian? Well, because I do not know all of you, I just want to rehearse that very, very quickly, just so we'll understand just exactly what God says a Christian is. It's very simply this. It's those that have believed the Bible, believed the Word of God, not just saying, I know there's a God, I know there was a Lord Jesus Christ. What it is, is those who have believed the Word of God and what God says about eternal life, and that the person of the Lord Jesus Christ came and died in my place for my sin. And I have to apply that substitutionary atonement to my account. It's those who have believed will have everlasting life with God in Christ. Those who reject that will have everlasting damnation in hell forever. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Our Lord Jesus Christ said in John 14, 6, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. In our day, in our generation, of course, we try to be humble, we want to be cautious, we don't want to offend people, and yet I, I fear sometimes we might allow for other ways. Yeah, your way is okay, but no, your way is not okay. If it's not through the Lord Jesus Christ, you will end up in eternal damnation forever. It's a horrible thing for people to contemplate, but I, it's truth, it's truth of God's word. So, who's Paul writing to? Those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Head with me to Ephesians chapter 1 for a moment, please. Notice what Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus. I'll pick it up right in verse 13. We'll break into the context and we'll go back later on. Talking about Christ in verse 12, he says, In whom, in Christ, in whom you also, after you heard the word of truth, they heard the the gospel of their salvation, the word of truth, he says, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, in Christ, also after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Uh, he was the down payment, if you would, the blessed Spirit of God, the Spirit of promise. He's the down payment of my eternal life. God has stamped upon me through the Spirit of God. Now, what's that all about? Well, hang on a second. I'd like to try to explain that as quickly and as, as simplistically as I can. Head with me to the Gospel of John in chapter 14, please. The Lord Jesus is speaking to his Jewish disciples. Remember, at this point, the Spirit of God has not come in them. They're not indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He's around them, he's working through them, but he's not in them. And we read in John chapter 14, starting, we could start right back in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. I'm going to send another comforter. Pick it up now in verse 20. At that day, when the Spirit of God comes, in that day you shall know that I am in my Father, ye in me, and I in you. That's the explanation of the indwelling Holy Spirit that would come upon these men at the day of Pentecost. According to John 14, upon believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, you are in Christ. And Christ is where? In the Father. That's the package, folks. 
When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are in Christ, and Christ is in the Father. The triune God dwells within your very soul. So God wants us to recognize that there is a, there is a, a, a position, a place that he chooses for us. Everything else is outside of Christ. Therefore, it cannot have eternal life because Christ is not in you. Now, once we have this person of the blessed Holy Spirit, God wants us to recognize that we are sealed, we're, we're locked in. Look back with me to Ephesians chapter 4, if you would, please, in verse 6, Ephesians 4, 6. Paul, again, proclaiming to the church, having to do with the Lord Jesus Christ and the blessed Spirit of God. Notice in verse 6, Ephesians 4, 6, there is one God and one Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. In you who what? Who believe. Who have received the testimony of Christ, who have believed the gospel that the Lord Jesus Christ died in my place for my sin. By believing this sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ is that Lamb of God. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the Lamb of God, whether someone believes it or not, it's ever-present. You'll recall in John, the Gospel of John, John pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ who was coming, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What an announcement. There were 400 silent years where God did not speak through prophet, through priest. And now speaking through John, introducing the Lamb of God, that Old Testament sacrifice. Notice the Lamb of God is available and receivable to all. We read in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, God says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of truth. The, the truth is available to every man, every woman, every child. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever, anyone who calls upon him can have eternal life in him. But why do I need to call upon the name of the Lord? What's the, wh- why would I need to do that? Well, because the scriptures tell us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, we all have Adam's DNA, all of us. I just enjoy so much the heritage of people. You know, when, you, when they do all these DNA checks, they go back and they thought they were German or Russian, and it turns out they're something else, you know. And, and we've all seen those commercials on TV. Well, if it were possible, and it's not because of our present conditions, if it were possible, men could check their DNA and they'd find out they came through Adam. Every single one of us. Every single one of us stepped off a boat at Ararat in Noah. Every single one of us did that. Why? Because that was God's purpose and plan. We fell in Adam, but we can have life in Christ. We're sinners by, not only by birth, which is evident, but by choice. We're at the airport the other day, and uh, we noticed some kids screaming, some little kids screaming. Why were they screaming? Well, they didn't want to take the plane. No, they were screaming because they wanted their own way. Every baby screams because they want their own way. That's just simply that. That's all they know how to do. Why? Because they're sinners by birth, and then later on in their lives, they become sinners by choice before the Lord. Recognize now, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, what does that mean? So I've sinned. Everyone sins. I just call it making mistakes. Well, the scriptures tell us, but the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
See, there's a way out. There's a way not to go to hell. It's ever there. It's ever present for each and every one of us. He died in my place and took my sin upon himself. We read that in 2 Corinthians. For he, God the Father, hath made him, the Lord Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, outside of sin, to be made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I can't be righteous by myself. It's through believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, his righteousness is imputed or placed upon me. When we read the gospel, when we read the word of God, God's salvation plan is ever-present. But without the indwelling Holy Spirit, understanding the depths of God's word, understanding what God would have us to do with our life following our salvation, is hidden. It's hidden. That's why man considers the word of God fallacy, silly. He does not believe the word of God. Why? Paul said, if our gospel be hidden, it is hidden to those who are lost, in whom the God of this age has blinded their minds, lest they believe the glorious gospel of Christ. As a Christian, however, as I receive the Spirit of God, he's indwelling me. He gives me what God's word calls illumination. Could we look at that, please? Head with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, illumination. That is, God gives me the spiritual opportunity. He gives me the spiritual insight into God's word that I might comprehend what God has for me to know. Look, if you would, please, at Ephesians 3 and verse 1. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which is given unto me toward you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote before in a few words, by which, when you read, you shall understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto us, unto his holy apostles and his prophets. How? By the Spirit. It's spiritual understanding. You cannot understand God's word unless God is dwelling in you. Why? Because his Spirit gives us that illumination needed to understand the word of God. It's interesting. If if you do not study God's word, you will not have light. If you do not have light, you'll walk in darkness. The writer of Hebrews said to the Hebrew Christians, you are dull of hearing. And that's why often, and maybe you know some, I certainly know some, there's Christians, they seem to bump along their entire Christian life, running into one problem or another, one wall or another, confused, not knowing what to do, always bouncing around. Why is that? They're not in God's word. If they were in God's word, they would have the direction needed to live a Christian life. But because they're outside of God's word, they're not interested in God's word, they're not concerned about reading the word of God, they're always going to go about, in this life at least, in a state of confusion. So, what does God want us to understand? That it's only through his word, Ephesians chapter 3 again, look at verse 16. It's only through God's word that we can understand the word of God by the spirit of God. We're in Ephesians chapter 3. Pick it up in verse, well, let's pick it up in verse 15. He says, I'm reading from a King James Bible. He says, see then, talking to Christians, see then, awake, awake you that are sleeping. Come on, wake up. It's time to wake up, he says. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but wise, 
a straight walk, a diligent walk, a, a clean walk with the Lord. He says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Don't buy into the system. Buy into the word of God. Verse 17. Wherefore, be not unwise, but, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. In verse 18. And be not drunk with wine in which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. I'll stop right there. What does God want us to do? Don't get involved in the world's system. Don't get involved in the world's uh, tactics. Don't get involved in the world's stuff, if I can put it that way. But get more involved in the Word of God. And it's not like, you'll. well, I'll clean up my act out here. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. You've all heard that. It's not a new leaf, folks. It's a new life. It's a life in Christ. It has nothing to do with forsaking that. It has everything to do with getting into this. Another illustration in my life is filled with illustrations I've heard. But if I had a glass of half full of water here, and I said to you, could you put more water in the cup? You'd say, well, you know, you have water in there, but the rest of it is filled with air, and, and I can't fit the water. I would just simply say to you, you pour the water in, and that air is going to come out. And that's how it is in the Christian life. When you fill your life with the word of God, the rest of the junk floats to the top and is out. And that's where we need to be, so saturated with the word of God that all these things and all the confusion of the world will no longer gravitate to us what we will be locked into his word and recognize. So when a thought comes or, or, or someone comes at us with something that's not according to the word of God, it, will, it won't bounce through us, it will bounce off us. Why? Because God's word will be so solidified in our thinking. Now, what do we do about this? Well, God wants us to function for him, to live for him, back in Ephesians chapter 1. Since I'm a Christian, since I believe the word of God, since I have the spirit of God dwelling in me, God has a purpose for me now, and that's to walk according to his grace, according to his perfect will. We're in Ephesians chapter 1. Let's pick it up in verse 6. We're supposed to be to the praise of the glory of his grace. We sang that this morning. To the praise of the glory of his grace, notice in verse uh, 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace through which he has made us accepted in the beloved. He's bestowed his grace upon us and we're accepted because of Christ, because we are in Christ. So when he looks through your miserable soul, he sees his son. When he looks at you, so I, I, I don't know how God can stand me. He can't. That's why he had to die in your place. Because you're not standable. You're not acceptable. In you, that is in your flesh, dwells no good thing. But when he looks at us, he sees God's grace that's been given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's looking at his son. And he wants us to continue in this walk with him that we might grow in that grace. We're in Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse uh, 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Skip down, please, to verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Skip down to verse 14. In whom is the earnest of our inheritance, the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. What does God want you to do? Honor him. I have such a hard time. You have a hard time because you're relying upon you and not him. I know all about that, you know. 
I'm not standing up here saying, oh, I'm perfect, I've attained. No, no, no. Every time I fail, it's me, it's not him. I haven't relied upon his strength, his spirit. I haven't been involved in his word. I'm miserable because of me, not because of him. He awaits me to just simply go back to his word, confess my sin, go back to his word, and allow his word to dwell in me richly. So what's this about? Well, God wants us to walk in his power so I can know his will. Head with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 5 for a moment. We looked at this just a moment ago. Notice what he says in verse 17. Wherefore, don't be unwise. You can have the most brilliant person on the planet, and he's unwise unless he's walking in the word of God. He's wise to the things of the world, but the world's going to perish in all that's in it. But God says, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Don't, don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. This can only happen as we function through the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of God, in the Word of God. That's where our wisdom is found. You can be very bright. I understand that. And, and I applaud you for that. I recognize that you're very bright. But understand this. Without God's spirit working in you, you're only wise to the world. That's all you'll be. That's all you'll ever be. When God's spirit is working in you and God's spirit is working through you, through his word, that's when real wisdom comes to pass, the scriptures tell us. Head with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3. What does the spirit of God do? Well, the spirit of God wants us to function as a body, as a unit, as a church. Ephesians chapter 4, let's pick it up in verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the calling which which you were called. God has called you from darkness into light. God wants you to be to the praise of his glory. He has a purpose for you. Okay, how, Lord? How has that happened? With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring, giving it all that we have, it's meekness, endeavoring to to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's the Spirit of God using the Word of God in my life that helps me to get along with you, because you're not very nice. I'm not very nice. Oh, we can pretend, can't we? Sure you can. You can put on a show every once in a while, but you know what's going on in there. You know what's going on inside. So, oh, well, I'm just wonderful. Then you don't know what's going on inside, because you're not, and you know that. When illness comes our way, when, when problems come our way, when situations of life come our way, sometimes we're not very nice at all. But see, God says, if you walk in the power of the Spirit of God, I'll bring a unity among Christians that the world would long to have. And on occasional times in my life, I've seen that, where Christians come together and are united in Christ, and there's such a powerful bond there. It's more powerful than any extended family relationship can ever be. It's very powerful. Why? Because it's the Spirit of God working through the Word of God. Let's continue on, if we could, please. Recognizing we need the Spirit of God. Why? Because we are in a spiritual warfare. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 for a moment. In verse 17. Paul's telling us to walk a Christian life. What's the word walk? The word walk is to abide in, to remain in, to stand in, to walk around in, 
to stay in this capsule, if you would. He says in verse 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth not walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Now, what does God say? God's word says that he will cleanse a dirty mind. He will cleanse that mind. And we can find that, and I won't have you turn there, but in the book of Colossians, it says our warfare is not carnal. It's it's not of, of the world. What it is, is you. Well, let's look at that. Head with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 for a moment. We're in a spiritual warfare. As much as we believe the word of God about the Lord Jesus Christ, about the spirit of God, about angelic beings, we know God also is warning us about demonic beings, satanic beings. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse 9. Know ye not the, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. If you went, we went into that, I, I would embarrass you with the Greek in there. It's, it's shameful behavior of the flesh. And we see that all the time now, do we not? Publicly, all the time. They're even proud of it. They, they, there's parades all over the place showing their uncleanness all around us. And that's what Paul's talking about right there. He says, but, but change of direction, verse 11. And such were some of you, but you are washed. You've been cleansed, not the outside. You still need a shower every day, but the inside. It's the Spirit of God using the Word of God has washed us. But you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All things are lawful and by our spirit. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not necessary, expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power. When you go out into the world as a Christian, consider what you're doing. It's okay for me to do that. I'm born again. I have freedom in Christ. It's okay for you to do it, but maybe you ought to consider whether you should or not. Because you should know you better than anyone Can that captivate your mind? Can that captivate your thinking? Sure, it'd be okay to go there or to read that or to be involved with this, but is it the right thing for you to do? Be careful. Be very, very careful. Head back with me to Ephesians 4, if you would, please, for a moment, in verse 27 now. God is warning us in Ephesians by the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, to be careful to walk in the Spirit. Why? Because if you don't, we read in the context here, you'll see anger is part of that. Uh, uh, filthy speaking is part of that. Ephesians chapter 5, jesting, that's not fitting to say those things. All of that. But notice he says in verse 27, neither give place to the devil. Don't give him room. Don't give the devil room to work in your life. You want to shut that door. You want to keep that out. You want to keep that uh, away from you. The spiritual warfare comes upon all of us who have believed the word of God. But the Spirit of God is there to to give us the strength we need. Now, some Christians who don't rely upon the Word of God or the Spirit of God, there's a tendency in their life, head with me to Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 30. Paul warns this church at Ephesus, he says, And grieve not, or stop grieving, stop continually grieving the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed, Unto the day of redemption. You're sealed. God says, I know my sheep. They hear my word. 
they believe me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. They'll never perish. The word there is no, never, never, no, never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand or my father's hand. So when you're a believer in Christ, you have eternal security in him. You have eternal life in him. And all the devil can do is keep you upset. All the devil can do is keep you uh, in anguish. You, you cannot lose your salvation, but he's going to cause you to question it along the way. Why? Because you're not walking in the word of God by the power of God. And when you don't do that, you grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, and his fruit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, self-control, Galatians chapter 5. If he's in you, and you're not walking in the power of the Spirit of God, what's the first thing to happen? The love goes away. You don't love anyone, including yourself. There's no more joy. There's no more peace. No wonder you don't feel like you're saved. Why? You're miserable. And of course, some Christians will do all kinds of things to override that. Drugs, pharmaceuticals, alcoholic beverages, the lust of the flesh. They get involved with all of that. Why? Somehow to stop that nagging feeling in my soul that something's wrong. And so they'll do anything they can. But you know, the, the most tragic part of that is the more you gratify the flesh, the worse your soul becomes. The more miserable you are. Oh, yeah, it, it's fun for a little while, but then you have to lay in bed again. And before you close your eyes, you really know. You really understand. So God wants us to be careful that we walk in the power of the Spirit of God. Why? So that we'll have that joy that comes through the living God. We'll have the direction I need to go. Not to go back to that. That's the world. Don't go after the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, pride of life. That's of uh, the world and the devil. It has nothing to do with the Christian. We want God to work through us in a manifested godly walk. Now, how does that happen? Well, it happens by giving up things of entertainment as much as it does by getting back into the Word of God. I need God's Word more than my necessary food. I need God's Word to fill my soul. I need to fill up the cup so there's not air in there, but rather the Spirit of God working. And that can only happen through the Word of God. Bill, this is, this is a tough time. These are tough days. We have a government that's in turmoil and Listen, folks, just be glad you didn't live in the first century. These people today are wonderful compared to those people back then. Recognize that it's always going to be like that. As a matter of fact, God says it will get worse and worse, so hang on. How can you defend that? How can you walk? How can you, how can you live in this life, a Christian life? Well, Ephesians chapter 6. Well, I need some armor. And you folks know this so well, I won't even get into it. It's not something you put on. Understand, it's not physical clothing. It's not a bulletproof vest level three. Uh, because Satan doesn't aim for your heart. He aims for your head, doesn't he? We've met the enemy and they are what? Us. So how, what is this? This is spiritual armor. This is spiritual strength. And it can only come by the Spirit of God through the Word of God. But it takes my effort to do that. God's working in me. God's working through me. Christ is in me. I'm in the power of the Spirit of God. That's true, but I have to do it, see. I have to do it. He'll give me the strength to do it through his word and by his spirit. But I still have to each day recognize, Lord, I need to walk in the power of this 
armor today. Yesterday was not good enough. No, well, I was very successful yesterday. Yeah, but the day before, Bill, you fell on your face. Yeah, but yesterday I was something, you know. You should see me. Whoa, no, no. Sufficient unto each day is its own evil. Every day I've got to be in the Word of God. Every day I've got to walk with the Lord. Every day I have to put on the armor of God. Why? Well, look on, if you would please, in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles here have to do with the, he's deceitful. He doesn't fight according to the king's rules. Uh, he, he doesn't fight according to uh, what's right. He is a, a, a deceiver at best. That's the best name you can give him. A trickster. He'll use mates. He'll use family. He'll use children, circumstances, politics. He'll use anything he can, what? To keep you from walking with the Lord to keep you off kilter, and he's very successful. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Yes, that's a human coming at you, but guess who it's behind that? Guess. He says in verse, verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore. You see, this walk with God, this armor of God, this is your goal's gem. This is planet fitness. This is the YMCA of spiritual understanding. Yeah, you keep your body in check. Yes, you go to these things and you become healthy. But what about your soul? What about your soul? Here it is right here. But I want you to notice, and we'll close with this because I'm out of time. Look at verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's God's Spirit that wants to work in you. How does he want to do that? Well, you sit there and hum. I find if I look at a candle for a while, I just feel so much better. Can I tell you this? If you're looking at a candle and feeling better, that's your flesh only. It's got to be the Word of God. It's got to be the Word of God. As the Spirit of God, his instrument of warfare is the Word of God. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Nothing is going to escape the Word of God. So we use the Word of God in our own life first, and then we'll find we'll be able to give it to others. Spiritual strength comes only from God, and spiritual strength comes only through God's exercise in his word. This past year, I went through two major surgeries. Very, very painful. When you first get out, you think, I'm never going to make it. This is it. This is the end, you know. But you find you need to do some exercises. Say, well, it hurts. Of course it hurts. Of course it hurts. Your, Your body's been damaged. You say, well, I I tried, but it hurts a lot. Then you need to do more. You need to do more. And when the trials of this life come upon us, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt, but spiritual exercise helps us to do more. And that's what God's word is. Through the word of God, the spirit of God through the word of God gives us spiritual exercise.